Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Brave Space podcast with Dr. Katherine Meeks. I'm your host, Chelsea Glasgow. A Brave Space podcast supports the work of the Absalom Jones Center for Racial Healing and providing a brave space where the truth can be told. Hey, Dr. Meeks, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's great to be here with you today to talk about these important things in front of us. Absolutely. And they are indeed important. I mean, just, uh, you know, on our last podcast, we were talking about the topic of lament and especially how the coronavirus exposed how we treated our true essential workers of our communities. And before you know it, before we can even digest, you know, the three series webinar entitled A Cry to God Together, where we have some special guests come in like Bishop Rob Wright and the Reverend Carol Ruthven and Dr. Robert Phillips, before we can go in and digest what the sound wisdom that they gave us, we see a second pandemic. And this second pandemic is racism. How would you respond to that? Well, you know, life is always a challenge and regardless, and this is certainly um, a layered challenge, I, I think. Racism was always the pandemic, was always there. And then, of course, the coronavirus came and kind of was kind of overshadowed everything until we started really looking at how the disparity in race was playing out with the deaths and the numbers of people who were uh, contracting the, vi- the virus. And so, and then the, the killing of um, Ahmaud um, Aubrey and Breonna and, and George Floyd and, and several other people whose names we don't, haven't even been mentioned because they got killed since George Floyd got killed. So those, th- that, I think that was just too much. I think that having these murders occur when we'd already all been home and and pretty much stressed out some from having to deal with the virus. I think it just was the, uh, pushed us to a a bit of a breaking point. And it's historically uh, where we've been all the time. I mean, racism has been here since 1619. And so we have 400 years of a, a pandemic of racism that's layered with uh, a few months of a, a physical uh, pandemic that's that's causing people to lose their lives and lose their livelihood, and I th- I think it's just it it was just um it was just at the point where people couldn't take anymore. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know, and I think many times um, when we get to that point of we just can't take anymore, that's that point of lament, right? When you begin to cry out to God. And, you know, again, before we were crying out to God about um, the disparities between how workers were treated and what is the true um, definition of essential. And now we have, you know, the disparities of racism that has been here for 400 plus going on years. What exactly is the community lamenting about right now? Well, you know, I think that the oppressed people all across the globe are just tired. And in the United States, African-Americans, Native Indigenous people, Latino people who have come a little bit later than than the, than the Native uh, Indigenous people and a little bit later than, than even African people have actually just had enough. 
And we feel like it's about time for things to change and for things to get better. And this long-term denigration of, of, of God's children, because God made us all, and all of us are beloved children in God's eyesight. And the long-term abuse is just, I'm hoping and thinking, may actually be coming to some points where things have to shift. I don't know how long it's going to take for everybody to think that we should live on the earth together and care about each other. We've been killing each other since the beginning of time. So I don't know that that's ever going to completely stop. But there are, we've got a long ways to go to just get to being humane to one another. And, and I think that the, we've been lamenting about it. We've been struggling with it. We've been resisting it. We've been protesting. We've been trying to be, trying to get liberated. And, and I think that people, people are just tired. And I think that the, the, the uh, pandemic of the virus has, it's sort of like, you know, sometimes you, it's like the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, it, it was a straw and you couldn't imagine why the, cam the camel fell down then, but it's because of all the other weights that have been put on its back. And I think that, that I, I have some feeling that that's kind of a part of what we are seeing. Yeah. And, you know, it's probably the fact that we're tired of consistently seeing the same thing over and over. You know, I saw an image on Instagram the other day and it had a picture from um, the March on Washington in 1963 um, and about, you know, people had protesting signs saying that we demand, um, you know, uh, fair housing. We demand this and that. And and then you, you know, fast forward to 2020. And we're having to have those same posters. We're having to have these same protests in Atlanta and in Washington. You know, has anything changed? You know, as a millennial, I'm I'm looking in a history book and then I'm walking outside and living a history book. You know, has anything changed? Has there been progress made? You know, it of course. I mean, some things have certainly changed, but and and some things for the better, and some things maybe not for the better, but I think the, the, the problem is that the changes are not um, systemic and they're not sustainable. And so even though we, you know, we take down, we took down the, the, the Jim Crow signs and the, the white only signs and you can sit on the bus wherever you want to and you can go uh, in whatever store or restaurant you want to go into, but there's still neighborhoods where black and brown people are certainly not welcome and feel, and people, white people think they have the right to see us as intruders. And some of those attitudes have not changed, haven't changed a bit, because if, if they had changed, you wouldn't have uh, Ahmad and Breonna and George dead. And so, because it would not have, there would not be the attitude of these are expendable people. These are people that are intruding in some sacred space that they have no business being in. The, the, the feelings, the projections toward the black and brown body have just, that's, the, that's part of the bigger problem. And then of course the system keeps on reinforcing those attitudes. So you've got this attitude that these people are somehow alien to you. And then there's a system that reinforces that for white people. The white, it's called white supremacy. And, the, and so, so until we 
do something about white supremacy, there's always going to be a struggle. We thought in the 60s and the 50s and 60s that getting laws changed would fix the whole problem. Getting the laws changed helped us, but it didn't fix the problem because there were a whole bunch of people who never accepted the laws and who decided that they were going to, they didn't care what the law was, they're still going to do what they want to. You know, those folks that killed Ahmad, they didn't, they know they weren't supposed to be doing what they were doing. There is no way that they did not know better, but they felt emboldened because of the atmosphere in the country now to, to um, abuse this young man and take his life. And that, so, so, you know, and how do we get at reconstructing those attitudes and is a real issue, but the, but until we get the attitudes reconstructed, we need to have the laws that take people, that hold people accountable. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember um, you mentioning a quote that, that pretty much said the same exact thing. You know, of course, the idea and, and, and the dream that we all have is for us to, you know, love one another and treat one another with respect. And, and that's just that. However, until, because we have a system that, that in, in which you can be flexible to do something else um, <laughs> other than treat people with respect because we have that system and that system reinforces, you know, those negative attitudes or those attitudes of, you know, those white supremacist attitudes. We have to do something else to, to address those bad attitudes, right? Because some people are just going to be um, rebellious. I mean, what are some other parts of the system that you see um, that reinforces this attitude? You know, um, what are some things that have that that have caused this issue to to not totally be solved or just become more, you know, systemized, um, systematic. We are people of faith, and the Center for Racial Healing is is an Episcopal uh, um, entity, and you and I are women of faith, and we believe in in God, and we understand that evil exists, and uh, and so I think that many many people have. Uh, allowed themselves to be taken over by evil the, because you always have a choice and you can choose to, to stand up for right or wrong. And I've, I have never quit believing that the white people who, who invented and perpetuated slavery knew that slavery wasn't right. But but it was and and that it was evil and, and they, they chose to give themselves over to it because it was a, um, beneficial and gave them the, the money and power and position that they wanted to have. So that, so that's a stream too. So, you know, when you start thinking about this, it's so complex until it can give you a headache because here is the, here is the human being with the capacity to choose to follow right or wrong, making the choice to follow wrong, which is dark and negative and, and evil, and then they've created the system to support that, and then tried to figure out a defense for it, and then created um, a, um, violence, a, a response of violence to try to keep that system operating. And so it's always been, you know, it was it was lynching in in the early part of our lives, and 
literally taking, dragging people out of their houses and killing them and throwing them in rivers and hanging them from trees or whatever. And then the continuation of that with, uh, during reconstruction, creating the uh, force that the, really the police, I mean, that's sort of how they got started. People to go out and hunt for uh, black folks. And, and we got the uh, peanage system and all that that came out of it. So you keep on making, uh, creating um, stru- powerful structures to maintain the life that you think you deserve to have. And all of it goes back to thinking your white skin is supreme and you have a right to do anything to have what you want in the world because you are a white person. And, 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 and then people would go, you know, sit in church and be really good Christians on Sunday morning and then go out in the afternoon and have a picnic lynching somebody. Well, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And at the root of it, you know, it's a heart problem the root at the very root of it it's a heart problem and it just goes to show you know how big this the solution how many solutions um there are right you know uh the church is a solution right you know you know uh healthcare providers are a solution our family are, are, is the solution our community is the solution um we all have a role to play in changing and shifting this attitude that is causing evil to run rampant and kill people who deserve to live just like you and I Absolutely. And, and the thing that's, that's so dis- distressing about it is that religion has been so complicit with helping to maintain this completely indefensible system because, because people took the Bible and twisted things out of it to fit what they wanted it to fit. And so, so you end up as a person of faith you, you know, I don't really want to associate myself with that brand of Christianity that thinks that there's some um, validation for mistreating somebody or seeing somebody as less than a, a worthy, beloved child of God. But there is that notion, even though, well, some people were pretty outright about it. I mean, in the in the era of slavery, the slaves were just considered to be something other than human. And unfortunately... We didn't get rid of that attitude. And so I think in the 21st century, there is a lot of challenge for white people who want to be progressive um, uh, people of integrity with uh, living a faith that's got integrity. They really have to interrogate themselves about how they have internalized that narrative and and how they're going to live that out, you know, because we've internalized a whole lot of cultural narratives that we, that have got to be shifted. Two things about that. The first thing is, you know, just as um, the church and the people of God, we have to repent um, for allowing this to get this far on our watch, right. For a lot and allowing um, the words of God to be used for evil and, uh, and watching it happen. Um, and, and now we're at a point where we're seeing, Hey, this is not right. And we have to do something about it, that righteous indignation. Um, and the second thing, uh, about that is, you know, one of the things that I love about the Center for Racial Healing is that it is dedicated to doing that work of 
of changing and shifting that cultural mindset that was ingrained in the church. You know, um, when you do the dismantling racism uh, trainings, um, do you see a lot of that, uh, those ideas shifting? We see um, a lot of things. We see people sometimes who have a, a an amazingly powerful transformative experience in the eight hour day that they spend in the room together with facilitators and other uh, fellow parishioners or participants, because some people other than Episcopalians are sometimes in our sessions. We see people who come with a lot of doubt and, and, and want to kind of tell themselves that this doesn't really have anything to do with them. They just have to do it because they want to be on the vestry or something. And then uh, every now and again, we see somebody comes who, who comes to the room who has decided that they're going to make sure that nothing happens to make them any different. But for the most part, we have had, we have not had that be our experience. For the most part, we have had people really wanting to do more, really wanting to be better, really wanting to go deeper. And, and I'd stay deeply grateful for that. And I want to say one other thing about this while I'm talking about it. It's not just white people. Black and brown people have to not tolerate the oppression too. And we, we've internalized a lot of the same narratives in some in terms of on the opposite end. White people has the, the, the white supremacist narrative and we've got the other end of it of, you know, we're oppressed and we're victims and we aren't quite up to being as good as the white people. That narrative has got to go too. We have to, so that's why, that's why we, I insist on the work being talked about as racial healing because black and white and brown people need to be healed. You know, you, you, you cannot be either the oppressor or the oppressed and not be in, in need of something to shift for you. And so sometimes black people will say to me, I've been doing this for, you know, X number of years and I'm tired. And I say, well, so, you know, we didn't get liberation yet. So you don't get to be tired. I mean, you can be tired. You just don't get to quit. And because too many people have sacrificed too much uh, going, you know, ahead of us for us to decide on our watch, we somehow won't live up to at least what our ancestors have done for us. And so, I, I think we have got to just keep on um, dreaming about a world that really is fit to live in for everybody who's on the planet and then doing everything we can to make that world, that dream come true. Well, I love what you just said there, you know, and it's a perfect segue into how the center is currently addressing um this resurfacing is, and it's not even a resurfacing, right? It's just really, again, addressing racism. How are we addressing racism at this time um, and living into God's dream? How's the center doing that? Well, I think that at the present moment, the the most, um, uh, the most profound need that's staring us in the face is the need to do something about reimagining policing and reimagining how we, what kind of people do we want to be and what kind of public safety uh, apparatus do we want to have in this culture and, and to start naming the police violence and brutality and the roguishness of some of the folks who get 
uh, allowed to carry a gun and wear a uniform, uh, we have got to deal with that. We can't just keep waiting. We can't keep having funerals and lamenting. I mean, I'm, I'm for, you know, of course I'm for doing the, the, the lamenting, but we should not have to be lamenting over the dead bodies of our young people uh, because we haven't dealt with what is the cause of this. So we're taking that on as a center and I'm really pushing for the Episcopal Church to take this on as a churchwide uh, initiative to work on doing whatever it is we can do to create a new culture, a new way of looking at how we go about law enforcement, law enforcement in this country, and how we go about um, making sure that we we create a space that really is safe for people to live in, and you don't have to be worried about being killed in your bed when you're sleeping at night by somebody who's supposed to protect and serve you. Mm-hmm. It's it's a simple act. It's a simple act, and it's it is a standard at this point that we must enforce. Um, thank you so much for that. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are having a three webinar um, series, three part webinar series called Reimagining Policing in America. Uh, the first date is going to be on June 18th. So definitely visit our website, www dot center for racial healing dot org in order to get some more information and to register registration is free um so make sure you get that information in for us um connect with us on our website uh again www.centerforracialhealing.org connect with us on facebook for dr meeks it's dr katherine meeks and on social media facebook and instagram for the center is Center for Racial Healing. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. We hope to see you soon in one of our webinars and on our next podcast. And remember to always tell the truth. Bye-bye.